0: Turn in your Bibles to Acts 2, please. Acts 2. We are in the fifth week of our Holy Spirit series that, um, that we've just really, I believe, benefited from in our understanding of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we had talked about how do we know if it's the Holy Spirit at work in the church and what, what's, what's the defining characteristic of the work of the Holy Spirit in the context of church and we said that the defining work of the Holy Spirit is a declaration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is the defining characteristic. How do we know if the Holy Spirit is at work in the church? It's because there is a proclamation that goes out from the church that says Jesus Christ is Lord. It's the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and mission. What does it mean for, the, for a church to be filled the Holy Spirit, and how does that work its way out into the mission of the church? So if you would just bow your heads with me and pray, ask the Lord to be with us. Lord, we just come before you this morning, and we are grateful for the opportunity that you have given us to fellowship together, to talk to one another, to greet one another, to sing your praises, to be able to hear your word proclaimed to us. And, Lord, this morning we would ask that you would open our eyes and our, our ears and give us understanding in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts and make our hearts the good soil, that your word would go deep into us and produce a harvest of righteousness. So, Lord, we do pray that you would help us to fix our attention upon you, upon what you are saying to us. Lord, I pray you'd help me to be clear in the things you've put in my heart this week, Help me to glorify you with my words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I've got a few Valentine's Day facts for you. Husbands, in case you forgot, that was the first you remembered of it. You're in trouble. Um, The average consumer will spend $102.50 this year on food and gifts. Okay, there's... $14.7 $14.7 billion in retail sales that go on on Valentine's Day leading up to that. 45% of people will exchange candy, which translates into $1 billion spent on candy. One Of that $1 billion spent, $750 million will be spent on chocolate. 110 million roses will be sold and delivered within a three-day period. 73% of those roses will be purchased by men. of pet owners buy gifts for their pets. Do we have any of those pet owners in here? Okay, Alex, we'll talk to you afterwards. Um, 190 million cards will be exchanged, making this the second most popular greeting card giving occasion behind Christmas. 50% of those cards are purchased in six days prior to Valentine's Day. If you don't believe me, go to Walgreens this afternoon you see a bunch of confused men scratching their heads wondering why there's only 3 cards left. Candy hearts, you know those little candy hearts we give? 8 billion will be sold. It's enough to stretch from the the hearts laid out, enough to stretch from Rome to Arizona and back again 20 times, okay? It's a lot of candy hearts. Now, the way in which we understand Valentine's Day and really which, and the way in which we evaluate Valentine's Day for ourselves or how it went is really through the lens of our expectations. Okay? So if you expect a nice dinner and some flowers and a movie for Valentine's Day and you get that, your expectations were met, therefore it was a good Valentine's Day. Or if you expect dinners and flowers and a movie and instead you get the husband saying, you know, I just thought we'd stay in tonight and let's make a nice meal which translates into, I completely forgot, and I'm so sorry. It's all through the expectations. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture here in Acts 2 that began to talk about what the Holy Spirit began to do through the church. And I believe as we look at this, we're going to see the, the disciples at that time had no idea at the work of which, the, which God was calling them to do. And I think their expectations were completely blown away. By what God began to do. And the evidence of what God was was doing in their lives and around them. Their expectations were going to be completely annihilated and, and grow and expand to what God was doing. So let's look at a few passages in Acts that talk about the mission and the initiative of the Holy Spirit through the disciples from the very beginning. So let's go to Acts 2. We're going to start in verses 16. We'll read to verse 21. We're going to jump over to verses 38 to 41. So this is Acts 2, verses 16 through 21. Now, just to give you a little context of this verse, this is where the disciples were in the room praying. The Holy Spirit descends upon them in tongues of fire. They begin to speak in different tongues. They go out into the street. People from all over the world begin to hear their language being spoken and praises to God being declared in that language. And these guys are like, what is going on here? How did you guys learn this language in like two seconds, right? This is this is amazing. And Peter, standing up, begins to give an understanding to the people around him, saying, This is what is this is what you see happening. Okay? So often this, this one passage, this a side note, is always sometimes can be interpreted, or you may have heard it interpreted, hey, this is what's going to happen in the last days, or right before Christ comes, this is what it's going to look at look like. Peter here is saying. What you see, this prophecy in Joel, is not just what's going to happen in the last days. He said, this is the last days. This is what God is doing. This prophecy isn't for some other time in the, in the, in the distant future. This prophecy is, is fulfilled in your presence today. Let's look at what he says. But this is what was uttered. This is Peter speaking to the crowd. What was uttered through the, the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be. God declares the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now let's jump down to verse thirty eight. After this Peter goes on to talk about what happened with what had just happened to Christ and his crucifixion and his resurrection, and he says this. And what happened was the people responded saying, what do we need to do? How do we respond to this truth? And he says, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So here the Holy Spirit, it, what the Holy Spirit is beginning to do is carry on the ministry of Jesus Christ. You remember Jesus Christ saying to his disciples, I want you to stay here and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to go out into all the world and declare to them who I am. You're going to tell them about me. And so here we have the Holy Spirit beginning to work through, the, through Peter and the rest of the disciples to carry on the ministry of Jesus Christ. This isn't some kind of new ministry that the Holy Spirit is doing or some kind of different ministry from what Christ was on earth doing. What we see the Holy Spirit doing in this context is doing the very thing that Christ had called them to do. So he's just carrying on the ministry of Christ. And Christ came to seek and save the lost, to call people to himself. And now we see the disciples doing the very same thing, calling people back to Christ. Our experience here at Mercy Hill has been this. 30 years ago at Living Word Church, there was um, a vision, not a vision like a, a physical vision, but just a vision in the hearts of the leaders to say, We want to see a church started that will plant other churches, smaller churches, not big mega churches, but smaller churches to reach the communities that these churches are in. And so from the very beginning, and if you remember, 30 years ago was about the time when kind of like the mega church movement sort of began to happen. So, it was kind of this understanding at that time that bigger is better. So, the bigger the church we can grow, the better it's going to be. But from the very beginning, the leaders of, of Living Word said this we, w- we don't want to see some big mega churches grown and have some big central place. What we want to see is smaller churches in their communities affecting the community that their church is in. So, we don't want to build just some huge mega center. We want to, we want to plant churches that will reach the community that they're in. And so it took many, many years. It took 26 years to see the first church planted out of Living Word Church, and that was Crosspoint. And Crosspoint was planted with the goal of itself being a part of planting other churches, carrying on the vision that the original leadership had of Living Word Church. Because we believe that for a church to affect the community that it's in, it's got to have a local presence. It was so, it's been so hard for me when I was attending Living Word to say, hey, would you please come to Illinois, to Lansing, Illinois, to come to church with me? People just weren't hearing that. They weren't going to travel to Lansing for whatever reason. The invisible, the invisible uh, state, state line was just was not going to work for them. But it's been so hard to do that. Now, four months ago, if, you, if you're new here, four months ago we planted this church, Mercy Hill. In conjunction with Living Word and Crosspoint. So the Lord has begun to stir the hearts of the men of Living Word 30 years ago and begin to stir the hearts of the leadership again four years ago and begin to stir the hearts of, of, of the churches four months ago. And that's where we are today. And our hope and our goal is this that Mercy, who would participate in the sending and, and, and planting of other churches. So this church is not just an end in in and of itself. It's not just we're going to try to get as big as possible and grow a mega church and be some huge mega center, uh, the new church on the block. Our desire is, is to have a church that is ready to plant out and send and impact the communities that it's going to plant into. So our desire is that one day when that time comes, when we say, you know what, we believe the Lord is leading us to plant another church, whether it be in Hobart or in Lake Station, or farther south, or whatever it may be, that people from Living Word would say, hey, I want to participate in that. People from Cross Point would say, I want to participate. And some of you may be called to participate in that. That You would say, hey, you know what this church playing thing? I've done this. I've participated in this. It's not something new to me. I can come right alongside you and support you and help you and serve you in what God is doing. So I believe this is what the vision that we will continue to invest in. I want to show just a real quick video of uh, from John Leitzel at Cross Point and we'll start back up again. Hello Mercy Hill this is John Leitzel from out Cross Point Church and I want to say thank you for your help in making it possible for Cross Point to purchase our building here in Crown Point Today Thursday we finished the closing of the. the out here and in fact so are you so our building God bless you can we, can we watch that one more time please That was kind of that, that soundtrack wasn't on there originally hello Mercy Hill this is John Leitzel from out of Cross Point Church and I want to say thank you for your help in making it possible for Cross Point to purchase our building here in Crown Point today Thursday we finished the closing on the building and we're now actually owners uh, out here, and in fact, so are you. So thank you for partnering with us, being co-owners with us in our building. God bless you. All right. So this is what God has done in our midst. He's allowed Crosspoint, and we participate with him. We took a huge offering here at Mercy Hill for Crosspoint to say, you know what, we believe and we partner with you in the advance of the gospel in Crown Point. And so they were able this last Thursday to close on the building, to put a permanent footprint in Crown Point right on the square. It's a, it's a magnificent um, ability uh, or magnificent opportunity for them to buy that building. And they got the house next door to it to, to either turn it into a parsonage or turn it into parking or whatever they're going to do with that. They've got a, a tremendous opportunity to advance. And we participated with them we're already doing the things that we have in our heart to do what God told us to do. That we partner with with Crown Point with Cross Point to say, you know what? We believe that God is calling us to not just be content in and of ourselves, but continue to reach out and bring the message of Christ to all we're, all the people we come in contact with. And so we want to see more of that. We want to see more of that. That is exciting to us because that kingdom advancement is 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 the kingdom that we Participate in with them. Okay, Now, let's turn to Acts 13. Let's turn over to Acts 13 because we're going to see what the Holy Spirit is doing with the leaders in the churches and how He's initiating a mission for the church. So here we have, this is Acts 13, we're going to read verses 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and prayer, praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. What the NIV says after more praying and fasting, they sent them off. Here we have the Holy Spirit not confined to the four walls of the church, He's not satisfied with just what's inside the church. The Holy Spirit's always looking over the walls and into the community around the church. And so after worship and fasting, the Holy Spirit speaks. After more fasting and prayer, they send off the, the, Paul and Barnabas. If we as a church want to be sensitive to the things that the Holy Spirit's calling us to do, we also need to depend and rely on the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to give us direction, to give us that mission. Lord, what are you calling us to do? Lord, where are you calling us to go? We don't want to be content with just this group here forever. Lord, you've got more than that. You've got more growth and more kingdom advance for us. And we have to realize that this mission just doesn't come just from us. It doesn't come just from the leadership. Here's the mission, go do it. No, it comes, it has a start in the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we, how do we apply that here at Mercy Hill? I think two specific things. We have on Wednesday nights, the second full week of the month, that Wednesday night, we've got an all-church prayer meeting. And it starts at 7 o'clock. We actually have one this Wednesday, the 17th at 7 o'clock. But it's a time for us as a church to come together to say, Lord Jesus, we want to see you glorified in our church, in our community. And we are so completely dependent upon your strength to do that and for your vision and wisdom and how to see that happen in our, in our community. So that church prayer meeting is important for us. It's not one of those take it or leave it kind of things. Maybe I'll come, maybe I won't. Guys, this is important. As a church, what, I, what we're saying is we are dependent upon Almighty God to fill us with His power to reach the lost, to fill our church with people who don't know Christ. And that doesn't come just from our own strength, from our own wisdom, from our own mission sense. It comes from Almighty God coming and filling us and giving us direction for those things. So, those Wednesday night prayer meetings are very, very important for us because that's the place where we come together and worship and pray and wait on God and say, God, what would you have for us? God, would you use me? God, we need you to give us direction. God, we need you to strengthen me to go out and do the things you're calling us to do. And it's my understanding that we don't get that on our own. It's not just work up some strength to go do it on your own. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so those Wednesday nights are vitally important for us as a church. I strongly urge you to make that a priority in your lives. That those Wednesday night prayer meetings we have, the second full week of the month, that Wednesday night, this, this coming Wednesday is a prayer meeting, because we are so dependent on God. It's not just something we just do. We don't just do church. We, we, we participate with what God is doing in the church. And we need the Lord. Second thing is this. Sunday morning prayer meetings at 8 o'clock. We've got every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. in the nursery, we have a prayer meeting. Now some of you know that, some of you don't know that. I know 8 o'clock is early and it's like Sunday morning, it may be a time to sleep in. And, and so I understand that. However, this the prayer meeting that we have on Sunday morning is an opportunity for us to communicate and to, to each other and to the Lord our dependence upon Him. Ask the Lord to, to fill our time of worship and to give us direction and prepare our hearts and to ask for the gospel to be proclaimed and to go forth with power. And, and there is people here praying for you on Sunday mornings. And it's, it's, my, it's my desire for us to see that as, as important. And I understand Saturday nights are time to, to have fun and go out and that kind of thing. But if we want to see the move of God in our midst, guys, it starts with us on our knees. Amen. Believing that the Lord is the one who's going to bring the growth. The Lord is the one who's going to open our hearts. The Lord is the one who's going to convict us of sin and lead us back to Jesus Christ. And so we need to start at that place on our knees on Sunday morning. It's important for us. So 8 o'clock to 8.30, we do that. And listen, guys, I know sometimes we stay out late on Saturday night and we hang out with our friends. I understand that. But this has got to be a priority for us. If we really believe that, that Almighty God, like Adam said, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. If we really believe that, then we're going to give our lives to doing those things. We're going to give ourselves. But we believe that, so we're going to give ourselves to that. So 8 o'clock Sunday morning starts on Saturday night, okay? So you're going to watch, you're going to go out to a 7 o'clock movie on Saturday night or the 9.30 show. If you go to the 9.30 show, you're going to be exhausted and too tired to, to show up at church the next morning. Or the 8 o'clock prayer meeting seems like, no way, <laughs> it's not happening, I'm, it's too early, I'm too tired. I stayed out too late. I had too many things to do. and so so I'm telling you Sunday morning starts on Saturday night. That means you're making a priority to do that. That means, hey, at nine thirty or seven o'clock show, I gotta see the seven o'clock show. Hey, it's ten o'clock, you know what I got I gotta start heading home because it's important to me, and I believe that Almighty God is going is gonna gonna meet us in the morning. So I want to prioritize that even above the free time I have, the time with my friends that I have on Saturday night. So that's important for us. So Sunday morning starts on Saturday night, okay? Remember that. It's important for us, 8 o'clock, and even, even beyond the 8 o'clock prayer meeting as well, just for us to, have a, to come into a, the church meeting at 9 o'clock awake, alert, ready. Maybe even get up before church starts and spend some time in the Word to prepare our hearts. Say, Lord, what, how can you use me this Sunday? What can I bring? What kind of encouragement can I say to another person? Maybe you'd have me to bring a word during the worship. Maybe you'd have me bring a verse to one of my friends. So we, our hearts would be prepared for that instead of just kind of stumbling in half awake on a Sunday morning. Okay, That's important for us. Because I believe this, left to ourselves, just doing things our own way, we always revert back to what's easy and comfortable and safe. That's just, that's just our tendency. It always reverts back to that. If we go unchecked here, there'll come a time when we are all sitting in the exact same place for the past four years, talking to the exact same people after church, doing the exact same things, and we're never being challenged and never being instructed to grow and to change and to reach out. That will happen every time. I just want to watch a quick video that really emphasizes this for us. My, my batter is better than your batter. Thank you very much for coming. All right. So what does it have to do with what I was just talking about, right? This is a cool commercial. We're just gonna move on. Um no. So that 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 song was written by a guy named Saul Williams. Saul Williams is an activist, poet, and musician known for being anti-authoritarian. He's he's a guy who's against the man, okay? He does not like the man, he wants to 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 give it to the man, okay? So in this recent Nike commercial, his followers were so upset that Saul would sell out to Nike because there's no one more the man than Nike, okay? So they're upset, like, Saul, how could you do this? How could you sell out to Nike to, to have, your, have your, is it just for the money? Is that what it's about? So these guys that, would, that he was hanging out with were, were furious at him, okay? So in an open letter, To his critics, this is what Saul Williams wrote. I received a lot of questions from some about why I would allow my song, List of Demands, to be used in a Nike campaign. Ironically, half of the people now reading this post never heard of me until that commercial aired. That, indeed, was one of my reasons for allowing it. A small circle of poets and conscience do-gooders are not enough to affect the change necessary to shift our planet in peril. We must enlist people from all walks of life, people not accustomed to questioning the norm, people who may simply want to dance uninterrupted, without message or slogan. I see no glory in preaching to the converted. So here we have a guy who's wanting to affect climate change and And these kinds of things with an understanding that, hey, if I sit in my back alley coffee shop with my couple of friends who believe the same way I do, we're not making much of a difference. We're not necessarily going to do anything great for climate change. He says, we've got to get out. We've got to let this message be heard. I want to do all that I can to bring the message that I believe in to the world. Now, this guy, I don't believe is a Christian. I don't agree. Preaching, he sees no glory in preaching the converted. We do believe there's glory in preaching the converted, so we don't agree necessarily with that. But we can so easily be lulled into apathy in our lives. We can so easily be lulled. So how do we keep from being lulled into apathy? It's by this, by obeying the Holy Spirit and what He's telling us to do, and what He's calling us to do. Now we're going to read in Acts 16 about the role of the Holy Spirit in Paul's mission. So turn turn to Acts 16 with me. We're going to see a continuation of the role of the Holy Spirit in the mission of the church, and specifically in Paul's mission. We're going to read verses 6 through 15. Verses 6 through 15. And they went through the region of Phyagra and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, Immediately, they sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail for Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in the city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, "'If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay.'" And she prevailed upon us. Okay, we're just going to... St- I want us, I want us to, to see something in this passage. That it was the Holy Spirit that directed. Now, if we put, can we put the slide up of just the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit directed these guys in understanding of what they were to do and where they were to go. So we had this in the... Context, it's kind of hard to see because the light's on, but it's the having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak... But the Holy Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. When Paul had seen a vision that came from the Lord, concluded that God had called them to preach. And here we have the Holy Spirit directing, go here, don't go here, speak now. I'm going to give you direction where to go. It's the Holy Spirit that's giving direction and guidance to to the believers. But what I also want you to, to take note of is this, that mission means we go from we... And not to they, okay? So look at what look in verses seven and eight. Just just take a quick note. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of God did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Now let's look at what it says in in the verses ten through thirteen. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go down into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us. To preach the gospel to them. Now I'll stop there, but what, what we see is this that that the Holy Spirit began to speak to Paul and gave Paul this vision, and said Paul, go here. And somewhere along the line, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, joined in with what they were doing. So he joined up with them at a certain city. And all of a sudden, the context of what God was saying to Paul wasn't what God was doing in them, it also became what God was doing in us concluding that God had called us to preach. It wasn't that God had just called Paul to preach or them to preach. It was that God had called us to preach, that God was calling us to go to these places. It's not about them anymore. It's about us. It's what God's calling us to do. I'm sure there's a million reasons why Luke should not have joined them in where they were going what they were doing. I had a million excuses I'm too busy, my job's too demanding i 've got places to go i 'm not as smart as paul i 've got my shows to watch on Thursday nights or whatever. My job is is, is calling me to, to travel or whatever it may be i 'm sure there's a million reasons, but the thing is in second corinthians five seventeen it it talks about God giving us the ministry of reconciliation of calling others to this reconciliation that we've received. That this ministry that God is calling the church to is inclusive of us. If we have given ourselves to Christ, now this ministry has been entrusted, not to the leaders, not to some other people, not to them, but this ministry has now been entrusted to us. This is our ministry. When we're all stewards of this ministry, when Christ said in in the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, when he said, Go make disciples of all nations. It wasn't just for the disciples he was talking to. He was talking to all of us. This is our ministry. This ministry for us has to go from it's what they do to this is what we do. This is where I participate. So where do we get started here at Mercy Hill? Where do you get started? All right. So first things, I'm going to give you a list of ways in which you can begin to go from the ministry their ministry at Mercy Hill to our ministry at Mercy Hill. This is where they get involved too. This is where we get involved. This is ministry is our ministry. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple places to get started. So where do you start? Number one, life share groups. We're not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. We are a church of small groups. If you want to participate in the life of this church, it comes by way of, of, of us in small group in life share groups throughout the week. Could we have the life share leaders to stand up? Tom and, and Tim and my mom and dad and, and Liz, Bridget. Um, who am I missing here? Brian and Jane. Brian and Jane are actually in Michigan, so we're going to excommunicate them after the service. Um, you guys can sit down. Our life share groups are the place in which you are going to receive the care from the church. These men and women have committed themselves to pray for you, to invest in your life, to welcome you into their lives, to welcome you into their homes, to speak into your lives. They're the way in which we carry on the ministry of the church. And if you want to participate in the ministry, the crucial place for you to get involved with is, is in a life share group. So we've got life share groups that meet on Sunday, on Wednesday, on Thursdays, they meet every other week. It is so important for you to begin to participate. In the ministry of the church in smaller groups. Because not all of us can, can bring uh, a, a scripture on a Sunday morning for the whole church. That can be difficult. But all of us can bring a scripture to Life Share Group and share it with the other 10 people in the room. We can all do that. God can use you to encourage and bring correction and bring help to your friends and the people in your small group. So that's the, that's, that's the first way. Life Share Groups, you must get involved. If you are not involved in Life Share Group, You've got to get involved in Life Share Group. That's the life of the church. Number two, outreach. So what are we doing at Mercy? What do we feel like God has given us to do in terms of outreach? This is the ministry that God has called us to, okay? We had a meeting this week with Children's Hunger Fund, and we had a good meeting, and in the end, the guy said, you know what, you guys can start delivering food boxes immediately. You guys can start next week if you want. You guys can get right on that. And, and Children's Hunger Fund is a, is, is, an, is a ministry that provides churches with food to deliver to people who are in need. And so they say, you know what, You are able, we're going to provide you the food in the boxes and also hygiene products and if we need diapers and all these other things. It says, look, we're going, to, we're going to provide the churches with these things. We want you to go out and bring the message of Christ along with the food boxes. Okay. So we, as a church, respond to that and say we want we're going to participate in that. We're going to we're going to do that. So next week, actually, we're going to have a meeting after church at eleven o'clock here for um, Tom, Tom's home group and Brian's life share group to come and and be trained in how to do that and deliver the food boxes. So if you are in either one of those two home life share groups, be at that meeting eleven o'clock here. We'll train you how to do that. We're also in the process of collecting names for the delivery of the food boxes. So if you've got someone you know that, that lives near you or a family member that lives around here that you say, you know what, they could benefit from um, this delivery of food along with a time of for us to pray for the people, to share the good news of Christ with them. If you know of someone, would you let the office know about that so we can begin to um, contact and begin to serve them that way? So that 's one way, but we also believe um, not only just delivering food but also um, we've got this we 've got another ministry opportunity coming up, and that 's uh, the, the Easter Bunny breakfast okay, so the Easter bunny breakfast now it it seems like so ridiculous like come on it 's Easter bunny breakfast how How is that going to affect change in our community us serving that Easter Bunny breakfast? I was talking to Terry Bostic a number of months ago, and he was telling me about how crosspoint was serving at um, a breakfast like, like that, like a, this kind of community breakfast that they had. And he said, he's wiping up tables, like wiping syrup off tables, thinking, what, what good is this doing? How are we reaching the loss by me cleaning this table of syrup off, you know? But it gave him opportunity to begin to tell people at the breakfast about the church, who he's, who he's with, why he's doing this, you know, where the church is. And so he said a couple of weeks after that, that breakfast was over, he's at church, and someone walks through the doors who he had talked to at the breakfast. And immediately he's got this connection. Hey, I saw you at the the breakfast. Hey, you're the guy that's cleaning the syrup off the tables, you know? So immediately there's this connection to say, hey, look, this is who we are. And it, it allows us an opportunity to reach out into people's lives in a really unique way. And not only that, but we're serving the town. We're doing good to the town. So as ridiculous as that sounds... It's an opportunity for us to minister to people and to get the word of Christ out to people, any, any means possible. So, what we're going to do is we're going to ask three people from every home life share group to sign up for that. Okay, so in your life share groups, um, maybe this week and next week, you'll maybe get a phone call. You need to sign up for this. It's, it's at the end of the month. So, it's the, I'm sorry, it's the end of March, I believe. So, we've got a little bit of time, but that's one of the ways. We also, if you could be praying for me as well, we, what we'd like to do is we've got the, the head coach of Purdue Calumet basketball team um, who has said he, would, he will participate with us in, start, in having a basketball camp this summer at Lincoln Center. And what he's going to do, is he's going he's to he's coach, he's going to bring players, he's going to be a trainer, and his, he's a passionate Christian. He said this, I want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed at this basketball camp. So we're going to do a basketball camp and he's going to provide all the instruction and all that kind of good stuff. And we come along and help and get the thing organized and run properly. But with the goal of being is, is we're going to have lunch every day for the campers. And at lunch, we'll have the motivational speaker. And he'll tell, he's going to tell people about the gospel. So we've got people listening, hungry kids there. We're going to tell them about Christ. Afterwards, we're going to have a, like a word ceremony for the parents, which we'll then tell the parents about Christ and invite them to church. And we're trying to partner with small churches in town to do this. So if you'd be praying for me this week, I've got to go before the park board and communicate the vision for the camp and our opportunity to do that. And so um, they've got to decide whether they want to give us the gym for $4,000 or $2,000 or $500 or something like that. So the cheaper we get the building, the cheaper that we can do the camp because we're not going to make any money off this. The Purdue Calumet coach is not going to make a dime off this. He's like, I just want to go and bring the message of Christ with the gifts God's given me. So um, we'd like to do it this summer. So we'll be participating in that as well. Um, two other things. And I know it's getting late, but I want to go through these. Number one is this hospitality. It is so important for you to be able to open your home and open your lives up to the people around you. This is an opportunity for us that we believe God has given us to do. If we want people to... to 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 taste and see what what Jesus is like, they've got to get close enough to do that. And one of the ways in which they do that is through uh, us opening our homes up for hospitality. Not just to one another, although that's good, but for the people, our neighbors, our friends, people at work who don't know Christ. This is a place, is a good opportunity for us to bring the message of Christ through hospitality. And lastly, I just want to say this. The greeters team. If you look around, you are the greeters team, okay? You're it. If you've been coming here for more than like three weeks, you're on the greeters team. You've been recruited. You didn't know us, but you signed up to do it. You are the greeters team. You are the ones that are going to, to invite, to greet, to say hi, to reach out, to bless, to care for. This is all of our responsibility. We as a church have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of Christ. And so now we are called to do this so I would encourage you if you are sitting in the same seat three weeks in a row and you're sitting there now, move out of your seat go meet new people sit next to someone you've never sat next to. invite someone out for coffee after service. Do these things that we that from the very beginning of this church event we said this is what God is calling us to do and God is still calling us to do these same things. It's not like that was the vision for two months ago and now we've got some kind of new vision. No, this is the very thing that God's called us and given us to do. It's through us being used by God, being called by God. And this vision is not a complicated, difficult vision. It's simply us saying, Lord, I make myself available to you. Use me as you see fit. I want to be the one that is going to greet and welcome and encourage and to invite out and invite into my life. That is all of our responsibilities. God has given us all this ministry. And so I would encourage us. I would urge you. Take that seriously. Don't let that just be some other, someone else's ministry. That's their ministry. They're the ones that go out and greet people. They're the ones that invite people over to their home. No, this is our ministry. This is us. This is who we are. Not who they are. This is who we are as a church. And so I, I would implore you guys. Consider what is God calling me to do? So, what is, God, what is God calling you to do? What is keeping you back from doing those things, even? You know, as we, as we close in prayer, I want you to consider a couple things. Is God calling you to sign up for a life share group? Is God calling you to attend the meeting for Children's Hunger Fund to participate in that? Do you need to invite someone over for dinner this week? Take someone out for lunch today? Do you need to attend the prayer meeting on Wednesday night? Do you need to get up earlier on Sunday morning so you can be at the 8 o'clock prayer meeting in the nursery? Do you need to go to bed earlier on Saturday night so you can be there on time on Sunday morning so you're awake and ready to participate in church? What is God calling you to do? It's going to be different for everybody. But as I pray, let's ask the Lord, God, what are you calling me to do? What is it that I can participate in? How can, I, how can I involve, how can this mission for our church not just be a them thing, but an us thing? Where can you use me? So Lord, we come before you. And God, we ask that you would speak to us. God, that you would put your finger in our hearts and in our lives and give us direction. Give us guidance. Lord, lead us in your ways. And Lord, I pray that you would make clear to us where we need to participate, where we need to make the vision our vision, where we need to take what the Holy Spirit is saying and make it what you are saying to us. So Lord, we do ask for that this morning. God, let me participate. Let me grow and be stretched. Let my expectations for what you can do in this church and in my life be blown away. In Jesus' name. Amen.